Good to be here with you. My name is Kent. If I haven't met you, I'm one of the staff here with the church. Real excited to be with you and excited to be continuing this series that we've been in uh, called Proverbs Walking in Wisdom. If you've been with us, you know that this series has been all about sort of navigating the gray areas of life, right? It's no mystery, and the Bible doesn't hide the reality that not everything in life is simple, right? It's not all just black or white, right or wrong. There are times in life where we simply need to use our wisdom. And so what we've been doing this summer is we've been looking at some of the wisdom literature in the Bible, that Proverbs is a piece of wisdom literature. And we've been looking at it and week after week, we've just pulling out, been pulling out different Proverbs and different topics. We've been asking the question, how can we navigate these different areas wisely? Right? We've talked about a bunch of, of different things. We've talked about family. We've talked about friendships, money, discipline, all this stuff. And we're asking, how can we navigate them wisely? Well, today, we're simply going to come to our next, next topic, and it's the topic of our hearts. We're going to talk a little bit about our hearts. Now, when I say our hearts, I, I obviously don't just mean like the organ in your body like, or, or anything like that. I, I want to go a little deeper than that, and I want to talk about like the smushy stuff a little bit today. I want to talk about our feelings. I want to talk about our, our, our emotions a little bit. The Bible, actually, when we talk about the heart, actually would even include our innermost thoughts. That this is what we're going to talk about today. And obviously, the topic of the heart uh, is really popular these days. It's a, a huge trend to talk about emotional health and mental health and inner peace and all this stuff. And maybe you're here, and that type of thing really gets you excited. You're like, man, it's about time. Finally, you know, finally our culture is listening to my feelings. You know, finally this is happening. Or maybe you're here and you're the complete opposite. You're like, what is happening to our culture? We're getting soft. You know, why are we talking so much about our feelings? Well, whatever camp that you're in today, the good news or maybe bad news is we're going to talk a little bit about the heart. And the reason that we're going to do that is because the Bible talks a lot about our hearts. And I think this is going to be good for us because the reality is people like me and people in churches, what can happen, not on purpose, but what can happen is we can devalue the heart a little bit. We can. We don't, we don't do this because God devalues the heart. We don't do this because the Bible uh, devalues the heart. I think we do it because we lose sight of, of our God in the Bible, right? We only, we only hold on to parts of what God says in the Bible, right? For example, if you grew up in church, maybe you, you grew up reading passages like this in Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Maybe you've, you've read that passage before and we take it and we believe it because it's true, right? But if you stop there, if you end with that passage, it can, it can make things a little bit off, can't it? Right? We can, we can believe, well, there's no point then in, in paying attention to my feelings, right? Because it says right here, who can understand it, right? And we stop there. Now, now, this causes all kinds of problems, right? Because we know there's a bigger story in the Bible that, yes, that passage is true, and yes, we need to believe it. But God also spoke to Ezekiel. After he spoke to Jeremiah, if you've, if you've stayed in church long enough, you know this. In Ezekiel eleven nineteen, there it tells us that God had intentions to do something about our broken hearts. Right? It says that, that, that God uh, intended to remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. And if you're here and you're a, a Christian, you believe that this was accomplished through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. That when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you were literally given a new heart, a transformed heart. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Obviously, you still mess up. You still make mistakes and all this stuff. But day by day, as you walk with God, he's renewing your heart. He's making you more and more like him. This is the reality. 
that our hearts are being renewed by God. They matter to him. They're so much more than just a hurdle to overcome, right? Now, I could probably close in prayer, honestly, after saying that, because that, that's, the, that's the whole biblical narrative of the heart, essentially, but I'm not going to, because many of us still have questions, right? We're asking, we're asking questions like, well, how do I live then with my new heart? <laughs> if I've been given a new heart, like, like what, is that, what does that even mean? How come I don't feel new all the time? Which, which parts of my heart are, are new and which parts of my heart are not, right? It, it's all kind of blurry. If, if anything is not black and white, it's the topic of the heart, right? And so the big idea for us today is that navigating the heart requires wisdom that it requires wisdom. It's not just something that's, that's completely straightforward. It, it requires wisdom. And like I said, thankfully for us, there's a lot of wisdom literature in the Bible. Week after week, we've been saying that, that Solomon is the author of, of the book of Proverbs. And historians agree that, that he was a real person. He's not just some made-up figure. Uh, and historically, people would come from miles around. Kings, queens, people of influence, political leaders, all this stuff would come from miles around just to listen to these wise sayings of Solomon. Thankfully for us, these sayings that, that Solomon spoke often were eventually written down and collected into what we now know as the, as the book of Proverbs. And today, what we're going to do is we're just going to open it up together as we've been all summer, and we're going to look at three things that, that Solomon says, three pieces of wisdom that relate to our hearts. And I think it's going to be good. So um, I want to invite you just to follow along with me. Um, if you have a Bible, go ahead and, and take it out. Um, and you can meet me in Proverbs 4. And I am going to just read starting in verse 20. And here's what it says. Proverbs 4, verse 20. It says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. And I want to pause right there, right? Because something really interesting has already happened. He's set the stage and he's painted this picture of a father giving instructions to his son. And what I think is interesting about this picture is we can see that the father is trying to build trust with this son, right? He says, pay attention to what I say. Right? He, says, he says, listen, and he's not doing this because he's sort of puffing himself up or anything like that. He says, I, I want what's best for you. I, I, this will, my words will make you healthy. They're good for you. Now, anyone who's ever taught a child knows that this is really important to communicate like this, isn't it? And whether you're a parent or a teacher or if you've led like a, a summer youth group or, or something like that, you know that engaging kids, like you have to tell them like, hey, this is good for you. You should probably listen. And even then, they're probably still not listening, right? Uh, I know for me, this was especially true as a kid. Uh, we would often go on vacations as a family and we'd go to North Carolina. And one of the things that we would love to do is go intertubing. Now, um, one year when we went intertubing, I was probably like somewhere between five and 10. So I was just a little guy. Um, we, we were going intertubing. And so obviously my dad had to give me some instructions. And I remember getting in the intertube with him and it's me, my dad, and my mom. And we're getting ready to go. And my dad tells me, okay, now whatever you do, just make sure to stay in the tube. Your mom's going to go ahead, let her go. You and I will bring up the rear and we'll catch up to her. Just make sure you, you let her go and you, you stay in your inner tube. Don't get out because you could slip, you could hurt yourself. Just make sure you stay there. I'm like, okay, dad, sounds great. My mom goes off, just like he said. She drifts off into the distance. And then as I watched that happen, 
something in young Ken's, Kent's heart like began to break. I watched my mom drift off. It was like a young child letting go of a balloon and watching it go away forever. I'm like, is she coming back? Like, what's going on? And I'm getting so sad. And all of a sudden, it was as if my dad didn't give me any instructions at all. I hop out of the tube and I start hopping from rock to rock. And before I know it, I slip on one and go face first into another rock, completely bashing all of my front teeth. This one's actually still a little bit crooked, but try not to look at it. It's okay. I don't remember much that happened after that, obviously. Maybe that explains a lot about my life. I don't know. (laughs) But I do know that that day I learned that that listening to my dad wasn't always a bad idea. I learned that following my heart doesn't always lead to to the places that that I want it to lead. Now, this is a bit of a, you know, a a funny example, obviously. Um, But I think if we're honest, life can be a little like that. That that in life, we experience these strong pulls in different directions from our hearts. And sometimes these desires that we have inside are really good. But other times, our hearts lead us in directions that that could cause us harm. That that sometimes our hearts tell us to do things that could cause us much greater pain than, than just a rock in the teeth, Right? And, and more and more often as a culture and as individuals, we're choosing to forego the wisdom of old, the instructions that we've heard in favor of our heart's desire. Isn't that true of our, of our culture today? There's a uh, Scottish apologist that I was reading uh, from, and what he, he made some interesting observations about our sort of cultural trends that, that are happening. And what he said is that we note that the past 200 years in Western cultures have shown an increasing focus on the place of the individual, the role of choice, and the demand to be personally happy at whatever cost. He says, moral and social restraints have been rejected, weakened, or targeted as instruments of oppression. Looking good and feeling good has replaced being good and doing good, and most people cannot tell the difference. We're told that nothing should hinder the life we want. Now, that's a little a bit of an extreme assessment of our culture, but you got to admit that there's some truth to it, right? That, that more and more often we hear things like, you do you, follow your heart. Why should anybody else tell you what, what to do or what's right or wrong in life, right? And for sure, there's some good to this, this way of thinking. We shouldn't just believe anything everybody wants to tell us. Not everybody has your best interest at heart. But I want you to hear this. Not all instructions are out to oppress you. Not all instructions are are bad for your life. This picture that Solomon gives us is is a a beautiful reminder that even even if you don't have a a father that gives you wise instructions, that all of us have a heavenly father that, that we can trust. And he made us and he knows us and he has our best interest at heart. And so we can hold his word close to our heart, as Solomon says here, right? And so the first point that I want to make is just that it's wise to open our hearts to God's instruction. It's wise. I wonder if we're we're willing to to let him speak into our lives, to trust him, or or if our hearts are our only authority. So that's, that's the first point. Let's go back to the text, though. Solomon goes on. He says, above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, follow my heart? No, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. 
Now, this is a really popular passage. You've probably heard it before. Uh, and unfortunately, the passages that are most popular tend to get taken out of context the most, and we end up misunderstanding and misusing the passages, right? And this one's no exception. So lots of times what we do is we hear, okay, I'm supposed to guard my heart, and we end up guarding our heart kind of like a dog guards a bone. We, we dig a hole in the ground, and we put our heart in there, cover it up with dirt, and we don't look at it anymore. We don't let anybody else look at, at it anymore, right? It's like out of sight, out of mind, but at least it's safe. At least it's not, not going to get hurt, right? This is what we can, we can do with this passage. But this is not what Solomon is saying here, right? And when Solomon uses the word guard, that what he has in mind is, is an actual like physical guard. That, that physical guards wouldn't just hide things or bury them, right? That they would watch over them dil- diligently, right? They, they'd pay attention to them because the things that they were guarding were incredibly valuable, in fact, the easy ESV translation that, that maybe you're reading doesn't even use the word guard. It says, keep it with all vigilance. Other translations say, just watch over it. And so it's important for us to kind of see this distinction, right? Because I, I think many of us, like, we're good at, like, covering our hearts up and, like, protecting ourselves and avoiding harm, but we're not so good at paying attention to what's actually going on. We're not so good at actually watching over our hearts in this way, are we? More and more as a culture, we're getting caught up in just activity after activity, just doing, 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 maybe doing good things. And this isn't bad, but over time, if we fail to monitor our hearts, then something happens and we end up lashing out or burning out, right? We carry out all these activities and then, and then something happens, it just boils up inside and we lash out on somebody and we're like, I don't know where that came from right? We, we, we burn out. And then what happens for some of us is we, we've said something hurtful to somebody, and then we go, man, I got to get back in church, right? And we get back in church, and we don't necessarily listen to, what, to what's happening in church. What we do is we just get involved in church activities, and nothing's really changed. Now we're just doing, doing, doing more, and we're, but now we're doing, doing, doing more, and it's in like a Christian way, right? And we end up back in the same place. We burn out, or we, you know, we lash out again. But now, not only are we, we tired and burnt out, now we have doubts about the church. Now we're like, well, this whole faith thing doesn't work. When the whole time, we were foregoing our faith simply for empty church activity. This is a real thing that we can do. We need to pay attention to our hearts. I was reading about, I was reading about this counselor who, who counsels people who are in ministry, like a mental health counselor, and, and what he said is, is this. What if, what if, in the name of serving God, we completely repress the part of us which is designed to be the headwaters of the life of God himself? It says, stifle your heart, and one day it'll lead to a collapse that Isaiah 30 describes as a breach in a wall, whose collapse comes suddenly and in an instant. It says, try to stifle the waters of a river, and one day the waters will overpower the very dam constructed to hold them back, and the waters intended to bring life can bring instead destruction. Isn't this interesting? See, in the same way that, that following at our, our hearts at all costs can, can put us in harm's way, Ignoring our hearts can also put us in harm's way, can it? We need to watch over our hearts. We need to pay attention to what's going on in our hearts. Now, hopefully being involved in this church hasn't just filled up your schedule and made, made you busy. Hopefully you've realized that one of the things we really value here is, is you slowing down, is you every once in a while turning off the phone, every once in a while turning off the TV, taking time to listen to what's going on, to pray, to talk to the people you live with, the people uh, that you know well, right? Maybe for some of us, it's, it's talking to a counselor, 
Whatever it is, we need to, to take time to guard our hearts, to watch over them because they're incredibly valuable to God. That the stuff you're feeling and the stuff you're going through and the, the, the way that you sense all that matters to God. Now, I know some, some of us in here right now, as you think about that, you're thinking, well, that, that sounds kind of selfish. Like, like, why should I spend more and more time just thinking about the way that I feel? I'm just being a selfless person out there doing a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to pause and think about the way that I feel because that is selfish. And I want to be kind of pastoral and say, yes, you're right. In one sense, that can be selfish. If we just stop with paying attention to our feelings, if we just stop there, then that's kind of selfish. And we do this sometimes, right? We, we learn about ourselves. We take a personality assessment. Now I know my Enneagram type. And now I know my Myers-Briggs assessment. And let me tell you about myself, right? And we stop there. And yeah, totally, that's selfish. That's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to, to know more of ourselves so that we can surrender more of ourselves to God. It's not just more self-knowledge. It's more self-surrender to God. Now, here's how this looks. You, you finish your day and you have a conversation with someone or you get quiet and you reflect and you begin to notice how you felt about certain things that happened throughout the day. And maybe there's anger there in your heart. Maybe you're angry about something. Well, you don't just stop there and say, I'm an angry person, right? This is an, an invitation for you to bring that anger to God. Perhaps there's, there's someone out there that you need to forgive or something that, that you can let go of and you can bring that to God. It's an invitation to engage in his life within your own heart, right? Maybe there's guilt there. Maybe, maybe you've done something and you're, you're feeling kind of bad at it. You've, you've wronged someone. Well, well, this can be an opportunity to, to go to them and to confess and to apologize, right? And to receive their forgiveness. Or maybe you need to con confess to God and receive his grace. Or perhaps you're, you're jealous about something. Maybe, maybe someone in here that, that God has blessed someone else with the life that you wanted or with something that you wanted, and now you're a little bit bitter that they, ha they had it, and you're secretly kind of hoping that it doesn't work out for them, right? Well, maybe this, if we pause and look at it, can be an invitation for us to learn to trust God, to learn to trust how God has blessed someone else and to be happy for them, and to trust that God has something for you. Listen, whatever is going on, we need to guard our hearts and pay attention to what's going on so that we can give it more fully to God. We need to examine our hearts. And so that's the second point, that it's wise to examine our hearts. It's not selfish. It's not soft. It's wise. It enables us to give more of it to God. I wonder if we're willing to do that or if we're just getting more involved in, in more activities. Let's go back to the text one final time. Verse 24 Solomon says this, he says, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. And then he stops there. Now, this is interesting, right? Because all of a sudden, Solomon shifts from the internal, and now he's talking about the external. It's like almost as if he's departed from talking about the heart, but he hasn't, right? And the reason I know that he hasn't stopped is because I think Solomon knew what Jesus knew, and it's that our internal world is connected to our external, right? That, that Jesus himself said, out of the overflow of the, the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And he said, you'll know a, tr uh, a tree by its fruit, right? The, the internal flows out into our behaviors. And so if you're the type of person who you're sitting here right now and you're like, honestly, my heart's fine. 
<laughs> like my, my heart's fine and you're not paying any attention to it. Maybe you don't even know where to begin. Well, this is here for you. Solomon says, okay, you're doing fine. Let's, let's talk about some of your behaviors because this is gonna show how you're, how you're feeling on the inside. He says, consider three areas. Think about your mouth, your eyes, and your feet. Let's think about these for a second. Consider your mouth. What types of things do you talk about? Do the words that you use about other people build up or do they tear them down? Behind people's backs, are you gossiping, right? Sometimes the words that we say say more about us than they do about others, <laughs> right? That, that there's something going on inside our hearts. He says, consider your eyes. What are the things that, that we're looking at when no one's around and you're home alone and it's just you and your computer? Where do your eyes wanna go? Maybe it's not even like illicit things or anything like that. Maybe you just often excessively internet shop or, or something like that. I don't know what it is. The reality though is that, that we, the stuff we desire to look at with our eyes shows something about what we're desiring in our hearts, right? That, 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 that our eyes and our hearts are, are, are connected. Or what about your feet, he says, right? What, what plans are you making in life? Where are you planning to go? Who are you planning to go there with? Who are you planning to, to date? Where do you want to end up? Have you factored God into these plans? See, all of this shows whether or not we have a trust for God in our hearts. He says, examine your behavior, and it'll show you a whole lot about what's going on in your heart. And I wonder if as you're sitting here right now and you're thinking about those categories, if there's something there. I wonder if there's, there's something there, and I want you to know that this is a heart issue. Maybe, that, maybe there's nothing. I don't know. Uh, it's totally possible that there's nothing significant uh, going on. We're definitely not limited to those categories, though, either. So I want you, as you sit here right now, just let's examine our behaviors and think, is there anything going on in my behaviors that, that would point to, to an issue in my heart? Is there anything going on? So the third point is that it's wise to consider how our behaviors may be connected to our hearts. It's wise to consider those kinds of things. So as we're doing that, as you're thinking about it, I want you to know that, that you can be honest. You can, you can take an honest assessment of your life. You can be real about the things that you're struggling with. You don't have to act like you, you have it all together. And you want to know why I can say that? Because I know that, that whatever's going on, that God still wants your heart. That no matter how much brokenness in, is in your life, that God still wants your heart. And I know, like I said, some of us are probably feeling like, well, God has my heart. I'm doing just fine. But I know there's someone in here that you're feeling like a complete mess. And you don't even want to talk about the behaviors that have been resulting from some of the stuff that's going on on the inside. Um, and if that's you today, I just want to just spend some time for a second reminding us of Jesus. Reminding us of, of what our Jesus is like. In Mark 2.8, it says that as he walked around, that he knew in his spirit what they were thinking in their hearts. That right, right here, as you sit there, whatever's going on inside that, that Jesus sees it, that he knows what's going on and it doesn't scare him away, right? In fact, his brokenness, our, our brokenness, is why he came to earth, right? John three seventeen says, for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him that he desires our broken hearts. The only time that Jesus really condemned people in his ministry was when they acted like they had it all together, <laughs> right? Because he wanted their hearts too. And they're like, well, I don't need to come to, to come to you, Jesus, because I had it all together. These are the things that Jesus condemned, right? Jesus wants our hearts. We can bring our brokenness to him because we are very valuable to him. Every part, 
maybe you feel like you've messed up, up just a little bit, I want you to know that, that Jesus promises to finish the work in you that he started. And if you're here and you're a believer in Jesus, that he started a work in your heart and he promises to finish it. Or maybe you, you feel like you've just gone too far. Like this time, like this repeated sin or, or something in your life that's significantly ugly in, in your opinion, like, like this is too much and there's no turning back. I want you to consider David. Maybe you know David from the Bible. He had sort of a marred resume of life. You know, we know him as King David, but, but before he became king, uh, well, actually while he was king, he committed murder and adultery, right? That, that, this, is, that this is David from the Bible. And over time, after that happened, he would eventually come to God and bring all of those broken issues to God, and he would repent. And his nickname would, would move from murderer and adulterer to man after God's own heart. But this is what happened in, in a heart like that. And it became known as, as, as a heart that is after God's own heart. And I want to read to you his prayer of repentance uh, after he committed those sins, he says to God, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your spirit from me. Restore the joy of, of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. This is the kind of rawness that God invites us to bring to him that if you're here today and you're like, man, I've gone too far, I want you to know that God invites you to, to bring it all to him, whatever it is. You don't have to say beautiful words like that. You just have to bring your honest, real, and raw heart before God. And he promises that, that he wants our hearts, that that's why he came in the first place. So here's how we're gonna close our time together. I'm gonna invite the band to come up and uh, I'm just gonna pray. And during this time of worship, however it looks for you, I just wanna invite you just to bring your heart to God whether you need to pray, whether you need to just focus on the words to talk to someone, whatever it is, let's just bring our hearts to the Lord because he wants them and, and because he loves us so much. Uh, so let me pray for us and we'll do that.